And welcome back to Infinity Circuit Radio. My name is Alex. And I'm Wes. Hey guys, so we are back and 10th edition is fully upon us. Uh, felt like it's been coming for a while now. A lot of uh, whispers in the warp coming to fruition. And I am beyond stoked. 10th edition sounds exactly like what we need <laughs> at this point. Uh, with ninth edition, I feel like we've all sort of hit the wall in terms of just the comp- the complexity of the game, and it looks like we're returning to simpler times. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly sounds that way, isn't it? I think uh, I, th- I think tenth edition, uh, sorry, ninth edition for me was an edition where it's, it's kind of what I thought I wanted from the game in terms of you know ed- added complexity and added detail. Uh, you know, build your own adventure in terms of characters and stuff. But then I think uh, with COVID and where I am in my, my, my time of life and stuff, it was probably uh, not the game I necessarily needed, uh, despite wanting to play that sort of level of depth. Yeah. Um, so yeah. actually going away and having a bit more of a simpler input now for, for 10th editions, for me, for where I am right now, is fantastic. Yeah, I agree, dude. Um, I, I think one of the things that they've highlighted is that there's going to still be like a lot of options, but they don't just all overlay onto each other, which has been the problem with Ninth Edition, is that like every option (laughs) is available to you and they all interact with each other. And I think that's just been, it's too much. It's too much to balance, which is why, you know, people have famously said a game feels like it's changing every single week based on like, you know, the erratas, the FAQs, the balanced data, balanced data slates, and all the new releases on top of it. So (coughs) um, it's been a lot. Uh, There's been a lot of good, but it's just a ninth edition was just a weird edition overall. Um, It it, 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 it looks like at the minute they've, uh, I'm sorry, man. No, go for it. No, I, I think looking back over um, what they're revealing so far, it looks like they've they've looked back over the past two editions and they've they've kind of cherry picked the things that that really worked, and it seems like they are taking those into in, into tenth edition. Yeah, it feels like they're going into the wayback machine too. Like I'm seeing stuff like from third edition, uh, fifth edition. 6th and 7th edition, which uh, I know 7th edition was a bit of a train wreck, but I think that there was a <laughs> lot of good stuff in 7th edition too. Personally, I know this is going to sound crazy to people, and this is definitely my Eldari bias, but um, I, I actually like 7th edition the most out of all the... Well, no, I liked 8th edition and then 7th edition the most. I felt like despite how crazy the game was in 7th edition it was actually the rule set was fairly tight uh in terms of complexity and in depth yeah yeah i'd, I'd agree with that as well actually 8th edition was kind of uh i found my feet i think 7th edition was an edition i really enjoyed doing because of the um yeah all, all the detachment things i think had we lived in the world that we live now with 7th edition with the level of control that they put on the game and the interaction they have with the community yeah during the seventh edition times i think seventh edition would have been a much better edition yeah i do too but um i'm really excited for 10th and uh, i've been hobbying away in preparation for 10th and it turns out uh, i have this like later on in the show notes i feel like some of the stuff 
that we've been sort of advocating in the twilight of ninth edition things to look at are things that are absolutely going to be relevant um in 10th edition because i think the last episode we we maybe it was the episode before we were talking about more esoteric eldari options um was all very anti-tank based like looking for lances and all that stuff and holy smokes uh better start looking into that stuff uh, as we get ready for 10th. Yeah, it's time, time to go to bits box and do get those lances, isn't it, for sure, by the looks of it. Yeah, well, lances or beyond. So, uh, yeah, what, Wes, what have you been up to in terms of hobby, dude? Oh, man, I, I, I don't know what's caught me over, but uh, I've done quite a lot in the past month. Uh, so, initially, I did my... Um, so I bought Scorpion that I was talking about for my for my birthday, uh, and so I painted the Scorpion and a Wraith Knight at the same time. Oof. So that was uh, a really cool adventure to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah really cool. So, it came uh, out. I, I enjoyed sticking together as well. It came out beautiful, dude. Especially the the Scorpion. Yeah, I'm really happy about it. I think I, I'm really enjoying the episode, and I'm really enjoying the uh, the colors I'm using right now. I think overall it just needs a little something. I haven't really figured out what the little something is, but I'm I'm happy with where they are right now, and I, I think I'll go back at some point. Once I figure out what that something is, then I'll uh, I'll go back and touch up all my models. But uh, yes, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool to do. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, I did three wasps, so it's the old school um, corsair walkers. Yeah. So I uh, my uh, I had them for years ago, and I left them in in Canada with my friend. And when I went back over the summer to see him for his wedding, I uh, I brought them back with me, so I, I gave him a new paint job, and they've now been done as uh, Void Dragons, which is really cool. So uh, it fits with the Corsairs that I've got in my army already. Hell yeah! And then what? What? Then naturally, what do you uh, put alongside some wasps, some vipers? So I did three vipers as well that uh, I've done the the Void Dragons uh, colours, which is really cool. I'm really enjoying those. I've ordered some uh, from Decals as well from. Um, Fallout hobbies, so I'm just waiting for those to to come to me at the minute. So I think they're a bit of delay right now. I think it's going to take like two months, but once we get on those on there, that's going to be pretty sick. Yeah. Um. Oh man, what else have I done? I've done shining spears. So uh, they've been they've been sat on my shelf shelf of shame for for quite some time actually. So I'm, I'm really glad to have got those done. Oh yeah, those came out gorgeous too, dude. You have like a really good balance of uh, Void Dragons and uh, Ibrazil stuff too. I feel like you almost went too far with the Void Dragons and then you reined it back in. <laughs> <laughs> and it, there was one stage, I think you got Hannah talking off the ledge of just doing all of my stuff in, in Void Dragons. Like, oh, man, <laughs> the Ibrazil stuff's really cool. So like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Let's just have it as a, as a taste of... Uh, avoid dragons in the army as opposed to avoid dragons in the army with a taste of Ibrisol. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, was good to restrain me that. And, uh, sorry, I've dipped into a bit of um, Age Sigmar as well, of lately as well. So I painted some Revenant Seekers, which is like the uh, the Bug Rider dudes for, for Sylvaneth. They were just a really fun project. Yeah. Um, basically, I watched Avatar and I painted <laughs> the same skins as Avatar <laughs> creatures. <laughs> so that was my inspiration for that uh so i think with all the uh all the hype going around at the minute i've uh i've, I've dusted off my dark angels as well and i've i painted a uh a deathwing redempt dreadnought yeah. that was a lot of fun that was a beastie boy uh i painted up four rhinos on friday night just because uh i had them sat around uh made and i was doing it for 30k but i was like ah 
40k let's repaint them for uh for 40k <laughs> so they are now green nice. and uh they were done in the evening uh, i did three blade guard as well um uh, but i put the deathwing shields on them and deathwing uh hoods just to make them a little bit cooler yeah and the the big beasted boy though that i've really been hyped about not really eldari but a painted lion man hell yeah so cool dude uh he came out freaking great um and Wes, did you post any of this stuff on Twitter or anything, dude? Yeah, yeah. So I put it on uh, my Twitter. It's got me Wes or uh, D Six Wes. There's another one to find it. So uh, yeah, go go on there and have a look. Yeah, uh, the cloak in particular on the line looked absolutely stunning. Uh, I can't I can't wait to get one. Obviously, not available for pre order. The usual debacle <laughs> with all of that. Yeah. But um, I'm. I'm cranking through my Eldar right now, but I'm super looking forward to um, getting some Dark Angels back on the painting desk. I, I painted up my Chapter Master for my Dark Angels a while ago, so I understand the hype, dude. Uh, very exciting times for the Dark Angels. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and if by fate I actually found a pot of old school dark angels uh base green uh in the carriage while i was going through unopened uh so i cranked that for uh for his cloak so kind of really cool yeah that's so, yeah man that's my uh that's my hobby stuff that that's it's, an uh, epic run a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah dude crazy amount that you got done um the how, how are you feeling about the progress on all your eldari stuff i mean your army is pretty much like ready to go i mean you kind of completed your painting you know all the stuff you had to paint right yeah man so there's, there's a couple of things i want I've got left to paint uh so i've got the avatar to do i've got a uh autark on jet bike oh, cool I've, so i've used the the shining spears that um i want to do another squad of um guardians and possibly some jet bikes some wind riders as well just to just round all off and that's kind of that's me done for a while hopefully with my uh my army yeah, and at the rate that you paint, that won't take too long, besides probably the Avatar. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I want to take my time with that one, so uh, yeah, definitely. Hey, anyway, so what, what have you been doing? I've been really busy, too. Um, I think like last month I finished those five Swooping Hawks, um, but then right after that, I repainted a Wave Serpent, and I might have mentioned this in the last episode, I can't remember, but I, I had the... Um, the command node that you could get when they re-released or when they released the mini game for, um, I think it was for fifth or fourth edition of Spearhead where it was just tanks on tanks. So, um, yeah. I painted that in my sort of like Yunari Wraithbone scheme with a sort of energy from like the, the main spirit stone on the vehicle sort of flowing to it. Um, and I put the, I put like a cool seer rune on it and that's going to basically be my uh farseer wave serpent um not that it really matters but I, i'm into all the vehicle markings and the fluff and all that kind of stuff for each of my units as my collection's gotten pretty massive like you can start to sort of you know dally with all of that stuff um Yes, I finally pulled the trigger on the Corsair kill team. I'm very much looking <laughs> forward to getting into kill yeah. team. And 
just a bit of a tangent, but um, when the Corsairs came out, obviously I was super excited. I was like, oh, these look amazing, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really feel like an overwhelming need to get them because I have so much Corsair stuff. Like every single Windrider, all of my Guardians slash Dire Adventures, you know, a bunch of converted Aspect Warriors, um, you know, all with the Corsair stuff. Yeah, and if, and if people don't believe you, just uh, Google search Corsairs. And <laughs> you'll be here bombarded with Alex's Corsairs all over the internet. Yeah, but that being said, when I actually got the models in hand, I was like, wow, this is like a order of magnitude <laughs> improvement on just like the overall Corsair aesthetic. And like this kit alone, I... I like I just fin finished doing like another like Vizart conversion for a Corsair Prince. I immediately made a new <laughs> Corsair Prince out of the Fell Arc. Um, yeah. I actually ordered some bits from the Jukari kill team to get the guy who throws like the poison grenades or whatever it is with the uh, stinger pistol. Yeah. And I used that as like a head. I'll eventually post photos. Um, I converted the spirit channeler or the spirit weaver Um just like some head swaps, um, snipped Evrain's hair off, added that to her, did a whole bunch of conversions and a little bit of sculpting on that. And she's going to probably wow, be like, so cool. Oh, thank you, dude. That was like really nervous so doing that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. so, uh, it, it ended up paying off in the end and she's going to be like my spirit seer for 40 K, but I'm, I'm very stoked to get into kill team. Um, yes, you should do. It's a great game. Yeah, uh, my brother's excited to get into it too, and I didn't realize how small the play space required for Kill Team was. Uh, at my oh, age, at all. <laughs> yeah, at, at my age, being able to sit down at the table and play, you know, some version of Forty K <laughs> is definitely a good thing. Oh man, playing play, play Kill Team Leo, your your back will thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially being a tall guy. But um, I also finished two more Hornets. Hornets 5 and 6 are complete. Uh, finished a third <laughs> Wraith Lord. Uh, and I stripped my Wraith Knight and I got some crazy awesome bits for him. Um, I'll, I'll probably get into that at a later date. But I got like a, some Forge World bits, some 3D printed bits. And man, I feel like... Uh, Ooh, I feel like the firepower that the Wraith Knight offers is actually going to be probably pretty important uh, going forward into 10th edition. Yeah, those those Wraith cannons, boy. Whew. They're going to be yeah, uh, they're going to be beasting. Yeah, with the increased durability of vehicles and all the rest of it, I'm super excited to see how Wraith constructs sort of shake out. Um, but yeah. Um, Oh, and I finished nine Bulgrins for my brother. Um, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the show, but me and my brother are getting ready to do a YouTube channel. And so he's been busy in the Manifactorum, cranking out terrain. Um, we spent a lot of money and got all the <laughs> Wall of Martyrs stuff. Like, we've always had a Wall of Martyrs, but we got a second Wall of Martyrs and the Firestorm Redoubt, which is the big, like, double bunker. And the little pillbox. Nice. So that is a huge piece of terrain with many, many details. And my brother paints <laughs> yeah. all the details. Um, so, oh, man. 
Yeah. That's, that's the uh, that's a perfect solution, isn't it? Getting you, your brother to do it for you. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm happy to sort of return the favor and churn through um, a bunch of his bigger, more complicated units. Um, and, man, those Bulgren, uh, it's not like doing wraith guard or wraith blades at all there's so many different pieces to them they've got their boots their armor their shirt their fatigues the shields the skin um i just painting the wraith lord the other day i was shocked at how quickly i'm moving through models like that even when i was a commissioned painter i was much slower but now i'm like it took me like what like two sessions to paint a wraith lord um and i'm really excited yeah. about that we often get away quite lightly with Eldari. With the, um, we don't have pouches and different textures a lot of the time. It's it's sort of armoured carapace, the weapons, and maybe a little loincloth hanging off. So actually, often you, you can paint our units fairly quickly. Yeah, and like I think, but I think I'm I'm like I'm I'm where you're at right now, where I'm looking to add like a little something to them in terms of transfers or or something i think that transfers are probably the solution or maybe starting to dabble in some freehand um to do some cool stuff like that just to add a little bit of visual interest and i always do transfers but um maybe it's time to get some custom ones done up yeah that's that's a good idea actually that's something i've been thinking for mine potentially of doing um I always used to shy away from doing transfers, but now I'm, uh, I've am i gone all in now. I've learned to do them properly. Yeah, and the new transfers are completely unlike the old transfers. If you have like transfers from 2013 on, they look painted on. If you just put like a bit of, what is that? They really do. Yeah, what is it called? Storm Shield or something uh, like that? Yeah, so I, so I use a bit of micro... Uh... Micro set, and then afterwards I put uh, storm shield on a little bit of lamin medium over the top of it, and that lamin medium and the storm shield, the storm shield smooths the um, the transition over, and then the uh, the lamin medium just makes it nice and matte with the rest of your paintwork. Yeah, so I think I might end up getting like I have the white lions of cross transfers, which were limited edition, and I bought like a bunch of them when they came out, and those are completely vanished off the internet. But it's like this sort of like lion in profile, which looks good on the vehicles, but doesn't look so great on stuff like wraith constructs, like all the ghost warriors. Like you want something sort of forward facing um, for that. Yeah. So I might get like a new, you know, try to find someone who can design up a, a lion transfer for me. But yeah, that that's me for hobby done. I Both of us have been going all out and really enjoying <laughs> painting at the moment. It's half the show on the, uh, the hobby progress alone, though, I think. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's hobby before the next one. Yes, exactly. Um, and hopefully, I mean, who knows? Maybe the next one we'll be talking about actually playing games of 10th edition because pro level transition, as Brian would say, um, the digital <laughs> and phys- the, the rules are all going to be free day one. Um, the indexes, free points, um, and if you feel like buying stuff, you can get uh, the data slate cards, uh, which is huge for me. I am just thrilled that that is going to be a thing going forward. It, it, it's such a great change. Then we talked about it before, like the accessibility. Um, yeah. 
of just being able to have your, your data sheet cards laid out next to the table uh, and be able to play and reference them as you're, as you're playing the game. And uh, it, it talks a lot about having just like the two pages of rules that go with your faction as well. So uh, you, you open up your book, you've got your two two faction pages there, or maybe that could be on data cards as well. But you've got data cards here that you've all the units you need, and that's it. You get to play your game. Yeah, and I mean, comparing it against Ninth Edition, I mean, it was just maddening flipping all throughout the book. Like, you know, like the army, like the, I mean, there's probably in the Eldari Codex like 150 pages separating your craft world traits from your army rules, and then you've got 80 million data sheets to go through, and then somewhere in there are the aspect powers and all that stuff. So um, it was yeah. really a chore. And, uh, you know, playing D&D, and they release, like, uh, for the monster manual, basically cards of each of the monsters. And when I had that sort of play experience, I was like, oh, my God, they have got to do this for 40K. Because a lot of times you're not really playing with that many units. You've got like maybe six, seven data sheets in your army list. Yeah. And just being able to just, you know, have your cards laid out and go off of that is huge. Yeah, a really big change. Well, having the digital aspect of it and free, uh, I think that's, that's great, isn't it? Just be able to, to reference that all the time. Um, especially if you anyone like probably like me or like probably most hobbyists, you know, we've got to... We sit on the loo and we'll, we'll we'll redo data sheets and stuff. So having the accessibility of being able to wherever you are, reference or read rules, uh, it's great for me. Yeah, I, I do feel like we should maybe temper our expectations in terms of how much of the rules are going to be free. It might be like Eighth Edition where it was just like the sort of core mechanics were made available for free. Um, very much planning on having to buy a rule book. Not that I care. I'm actually really excited to buy the rule book just to read the lore. Uh, and let's just mention this while it's sort of popped into the conversation. That dude, Wade, who's doing the lore, he is doing a good job. Like, I really am enjoying the direction that the story of Warhammer 40K is taking at the moment. I mean, even just like the lion aside, it feels like the grimdark is really being dialed up again. Yeah, well, in fact, we haven't discussed it, but uh, and probably not to discuss it right now because it's a massive spoiler. But in the Ark's Room and the Lion, there is a big event. There's something really big that returns in that. I'm not sure if you've heard about that yet. I might not have, actually. Is it... No, so, so, so you, you, you would know. So uh, we'll talk about that on next one. But uh, we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have a chat offline. Uh, about the big event that's happening in the in the line, it's really cool. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. But um, I am highly intrigued to see where this is going to go. And I actually just I've always enjoyed like owning the rule books. Anyways, they're gorgeous presentation. Uh, it's fun to flip through. There's actually a lot of cool Eldari lore in like current Eldari lore in the ninth edition codex. It's or in the ninth edition rule book which sadly didn't really translate over to the Eldari Codex, just about uh, Yanari and Corsairs and all of that kind of stuff, which was really neat. I, I remember like putting a post in the old Splintermind Facebook group about it, but just like which of the Eldari Corsair bands had thrown their lot in with the Yanari. 
So just cool stuff like yeah. that. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. But I'm anticipating the rules not being fully available for free at launch. Indexes, yes. Uh, I, I, rules, maybe not. I, I think they were they were quite open about it, actually. I think it, it it is all the rules are coming. Really? So it's yeah yeah. So from from my understanding, from what they said, is that everything you need to start playing day one uh, is available for you online. You can as a as an option buy the data slate cards, but that's only an option uh, if if you want it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I will definitely buy those cards. And um, I think for GW, it's probably a smart move financially too. Um, more money to spend on models, you know? Um, yeah, and, and for those that want to get the data slate cards, because I, I like digital, but also when I'm playing the game, I like physical cards as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll buy those. Um, but don't feel the need to, to run out and buy them straight away by the sounds of it. Yeah, especially for like my like my Dark Angels or my World Eaters or I, I hate to say it, but like my Drukhari and Harlequins and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll definitely probably go out and grab the ones for my Astriani, but I think the rest of it I'll probably just wait. Um, but I, I'm super excited. Just like the simplification of layout and all of that um, and the simplification of the rules. Um really really welcomed uh, especially the return of universal special rules um those are coming back and i'm i'm really excited about that uh we got a little sneak preview um for the shuriken canon and some of the special rules that it has uh with uh i think it's called sustained fire where sixes to hit uh are you know basically exploding sixes so extra hits yeah and it, it still had minus one AP and it was still two damage. Um, and I wonder if maybe the, what is it called? I guess it's not called blade storm, but like the minus three AP on sixes to wound. I wonder if that's going to probably go away to me that that's fine. Um, I really feel like that is a bit of overkill. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting, the, the way they're going with it. Um, <clears throat> pretty worth uh, mentioning this, but I'm, I'm up an NDA, so I have to skirt around some of the, our conversation today because I, <laughs> I can't necessarily talk about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really cool the way we've gone with special rules. Um, initially, I wasn't uh, in favour of the idea of the special rules because I, I liked everything being on the data sheets, but then there are things like the deep strike mechanic, etc. Everybody knows deep strike, you know, instantly you can say hey have you got deep strike and you know you're talking about the same thing have you got like a feel no pain type thing or um devastating wounds and things like it's it's just going to be a thing that, that people know and have a main reference point uh my only thing is i just i just don't want there to be too many because yeah. again it's, it's too much referencing to thing but i think uh, a good lockdown um few uh, universal special rules is, is a really good idea I do too. Um, and I think that one of the things that was happening in ninth edition was that there was like subtle variations in the language for some of these sort of, you know, ninth, ninth and eighth edition equivalent of universal special rules where you couldn't really tell if it was just like sort of poorly written or if it was like intentionally supposed to be different. Yeah. And sometimes it was, but, and sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> 
Uh, and did those differences really need to be there so much when actually it kind of achieved the same thing? So yeah, having that, that one starting point of knowing what Deep Strike does or a universal special rule does, is uh, it smooths out the game a bit, I think. Yeah, I do agree with you, though, that like they went overboard in 7th edition and 1st edition Horus Heresy, where it was just like there was so many universal special rules on every single unit that you were almost in like a ninth edition situation where you're trying to figure out like the sort of order of operations and all this other business to try and figure out how they operated. But I think with the emphasis of them trying to have everything on the data sheet, um, hopefully it'll minimize the use of universal special rules and they will be special. (laughs) Yeah, because otherwise we've, we've just found our own lingo for things. Over like exploding sixes is now the sustained hits type of thing, isn't it? So when you get a six to hit, we call it, uh, because it wasn't a name for it, but lots of units had it before, we call it exploding sixes, but now it's called sustained hits. And that's just kind of uh, where they've gone with it, which is, I think, I think is a really good way to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I think it, it allows them to present like a more simplified but sort of deeper um uh sort of deeper play experience because i would actually argue in terms of ninth edition it's not necessarily a deep game it's just a broad game (laughs) you know there's like it's like it all exists at sort of like one level and it just sprawls out in every direction um yeah so uh like i i describe ninth edition as a sort of mad machinery of overlapping game mechanics and it was one of the things that really turned me off from drukari honestly um like i i've said it many times i've said it many times in the show i hate that codex uh like drukari i probably played i played more games of drukari in eighth edition than i probably played of craft world eldar ever uh, i mean i think that has a lot to say about how much i loved eighth edition yeah um but it was like drukari gene stealer cult as much as i love the author of the gene stealer cult book um admac uh <laughs> thousand sons it was just it was just way too much stuff um and so hopefully they're gonna rein all of that in um, and even stuff like turn by turn mechanics, I was advocating to get rid of that. I mean, when I was play testing, as soon as we were in the Space Marine book, which was day one <laughs> of ninth edition <laughs> play testing, and I just didn't see the point of it. I was like, why don't you just put this on the data sheet? So um, I, I'm I'm hoping that that they're going to get rid of all that turn by turn stuff and. I really hope extends to mission design because I feel like the mission design more than anything else has been the biggest turnoff for non-tournament players. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you actually. Um, it's, I, I'd want to get some killing back into the game as well. It, yeah. uh, it seems to be a distinct lack of killing, uh, reward of killing. So uh, a balance of holding objectives, killing objectives and scoring, you know, sort of, um, other uh, secondary or tertiary objective type of thing, having a balance between those three things would be uh, would be great. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally hate the mission design and the scoring mechanics 
of ninth edition um i feel like it's a truly bastardized version of the eighth edition itc secondaries which i thought rewarded you for a particular play style warp ritual is not a play style raise the banners is (laughs) not a play style um all that stuff felt like gimmicky mini games like outside of the actual stakes of the battle uh it felt like an exercise in game theory and scoring mechanics uh just sort of masquerading beneath this sort of grim dark naming convention uh i hated it i felt like it was a disaster for just accessibility and the game revolved more around secondaries than it did your actual codex um and people design armies that just line up and get slaughtered and just outscore they don't they're not trying to interact with their opponent they're just trying to stand on some abstract objective marker and score points and that is not the space the game of space genocide that i signed up for <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally man I, I totally agree with you so one thing i want to ask you actually so we did um we did get the shuriken cannon um uh profile uh previews what were your thoughts on that i liked it i really liked it um i've i felt like assuming that the minus three ap on sixes to wound doesn't come back i actually really like that um and i think that that being like a holdover from seventh edition people got to remember in seventh edition you couldn't wound vehicles with regular shuriken weapons you know, on Guardians and Dire Avengers and stuff like that. So it wasn't a concern. It was fluffy for the sake of shredding infantry, which is shuriken fire is supposed to. But with the way that wounding and all that other stuff works now, where sixes to wound always cause a wound, um, it just basically meant you could Dire Avengers and shuriken cannons are the solution to everything. And I hate that. Yeah, so, so I think for uh, for people listening and not looking at anything right now, um, the the shuriken cannon, the way they've uh, changed all weapons now is that you um, your ballistic skills no longer on your main profile, but your uh, your shooting ability or for the weapon itself is separated out. So you get the, the weapon, and you get a couple of sort of keyword uh, special rules. So the shuriken cannon in this case has got the ignored cover, and they don't tell us what that means, but we can kind of have a, a loose guess at what that probably implies. And then it's got sustained hits one, which is the exploding sixes. Yep. So on a six to hit, it uh, generates an extra attack. So that then brings us on to um, the range profile. Uh, so it's 24 inch range. It's got three attacks. You hit on threes. Uh, your strength is six. It's minus one AP and one damage. So, uh, sorry, correction, two damage. So very similar feel to, to what we've got now, but... Uh, mm. The way they separate it out into the actual weapon profile size means that they can manipulate that a little bit more effectively than they could do previously. Yeah, and this is like, you know, I, I know I've been sort of salty about Ninth Edition, but this is like the cleverness of these guys that I've mentioned before. Um, they've made some big mistakes in the past, you know, edition, but working with them for many, many years, uh, it's really that ignore cover piece is huge it's very sort of lore to tabletop too and i mean that is an a mitigates one of the 
biggest issues for uh, in the current game. Like ignoring cover is huge. Marines in cover with two up armor is a nightmare. Um, and ignoring cover with an AP one, I feel like from like a game balance point of view and a sort of lore to tabletop, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool. And I think it's um, overall it looks like they've they're spreading out the 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 strength and damage and survivability of things. Well, so if you want to take out a tank, you really have to bring guess what an anti tank type weapon to do that. If you want to take out the infantry, then you take something like the the melter rifle that they previewed there as well, which is a heavy two melter two range eighteen one shot strength nine minus. 4d6 damage so yeah it seems it seems really cool and uh i'm really looking forward to, to seeing a bit more yeah and let's like skip ahead in the notes real quick because that melter rifle profile is not exactly up to the job of dealing with the new sort of toughness value wounds of some of these vehicles that they've shown off yeah, so, so that to me doesn't seem to be pitched at a uh, a vehicle, more killing elite infantry like Terminators, or monsters of some sort, like maybe Terminators. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That seems less of an anti-tank vehicle thing. Um, uh, sorry, anti anti-vehicle weapon and more of an elite infantry killer. Which I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that. Um, you know, to me, like the sort of Melta weapon is sort of sacred <laughs> in its role for taking out vehicles. Um, but this might be... Yeah, G I, completely, I completely agree. But this might be GW being like, there are just too many Melta guns in the model range at this point. Um, I think that yeah. the sort of changes to Power Swords, where they're like just minus two AP now is sort of indicative just be like look maybe the model makers have gone a bit wild with weapon options <laughs> and it's yeah. just there's so like maybe they're thinking about stern guard which seemed to make an appearance in that um the 10th edition trailer you know just they can make these vehicles all that you know super durable but if the weapons as they are remain like retain their killing power even that won't be enough so um yeah. it'll be interesting yeah just because of it's an additional reset is almost a, a redefining of what all the weapons and strength resilience of, of different things do here so it'll be interesting to see how they um how they play that out when they expand that to, to, to the full rules so i think the, the key one for me is the combat indicator that is the is the power it's really going down to uh, ap minus two and the difference that that makes and having played uh, a little bit of age sigma recently where they have a bit more um, restriction on AP giving, uh, it means that when you get into combat, it actually your armor feels like you have armor because so far you, you tend to, it's binary. You uh, have weapons that mean it doesn't ignore armor or it ignores armor altogether. So actually, having a little bit more of variation there might uh, might be better for the game. I think so too, and I think it would probably cut down. <laughs> I know it sounds like extreme to say, but a little bit of like the anxiety that goes into playing the game where it just feels like you cannot make a mistake. It's just like everything yeah. is dying every single turn. Like you, you like one tiny mistake in the movement phase. And it's just like your most important unit is just, you know, wiped off the board, no matter how tough they are. Um, 
And I, I'm all for that. I think that lends itself to maybe just like a slower mental pace at which you need to operate in the game. Yeah. You don't need to be thinking through like 80,000 decisions. You're like, well, I'll take some hits. I'll be okay, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, as, as I get older, I, I need that extra uh, mental space to be able to do those sort of things. Yeah, for a more just sort of like casual play experience where you're not agonizing over like every single decision and trying to like cram your entire army behind one L-shaped ruin, you know, which is just, it looks crappy. I think it like it ruins the sort of like immersion of the game. Yeah. So as, as we're talking about vehicles right now, so... Um... What are you feeling and what are you sort of predicting for um, the effects of the craft world's vehicles that we've got? Well, I don't think the Bright Lance is really going to be enough now. So I feel like you're going to have to sort of dive into the more, I don't know, the more like esoteric or more extreme options um, to deal with vehicles. So, I mean, right off the bat, like classic stock standard fire prism is probably going to be your mainline battle tank. I feel like the Falcon will chip in. The pulse laser will probably be solid, but you're going to need the fire prism uh, to get the job done. Uh, I'm very excited that I have three warp hunters <laughs> that <laughs> the strength, I think at 12 or 14 on the warp hunter is really awesome. Same thing with like the Lynx, yeah. Wraith Guard, Wraith Seers with D cannons. I think the Wraith Knight is probably going to be a somewhat essential unit. What is he, strength 16? I mean, that could easily go up to like strength 20 if the, uh, what's it called, the Railgun. Well, they already said that the Railgun is going up to strength 20. So yeah, so it's, it's interesting where they're, they're, they're sort of expanding out that, uh, that top end strength so you know where do you think war war punters will fit in that where do you think fire presence will fit, will fit in that what about uh, the wraith cannons the the weapon platforms the d cannon the vibro cannon stuff like that i would not expect the night spinner to be anything but anti-infantry going forward to yeah, which I like. I I don't know. That just always bothered me that like the the Night Spinner and the Shadow Weavers were better at busting tanks than like the D Cannon and the Fire Prism. You know, I'm I'm very excited to see that shift. Uh, so I would definitely say look to those more esoteric esoteric heavier guns for your craft world. And I'm glad that I've sort of like embraced just sort of building the breadth of uh, my Eldar collection and having more options. I've got like at least five to 10 Wraith Guard I could paint up right now. And I'm really glad I have those Warp Hunters and the Lynx, you know, right now. Yeah, so I, I think another, so I, I think with the paradigms of shifting in, in the game now, so we've got tougher vehicles and having to, cater for those and how we uh, how we kill vehicles but then they also mentioned about uh, characters leading squads and how different that's going to make the game too yeah i'm very i i really like this i hated 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 um my autark not being able to sort of just operate as one with his shining spears um like seeing your autark fail that charge and the shining spears going in ahead of him that that was just 
miserable <laughs> you know like t- really <laughs> shatters the drama of the game <laughs> um or vice yeah. versa you know it they, didn't feel very heroic did it <laughs> no it felt lame um and i you know some people really hated like the auras and the way character rules and all that stuff work i mean i think in eighth edition it was necessary just because of like the if anybody remembers those space marine biker death stars of seventh edition that had to die that had oh, to die by any means necessary star and stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah or uh like in sixth edition like the baron and uh the seer council and all that nonsense oh the seer council i mean that was ridiculous the invisible seer council that could then fly apart as all the warlocks like go and start operating as independent characters <laughs> it was ridiculous yeah. So we were just lauding something a minute ago. I think we're probably looking at rose tinted glasses in some respect. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm very much in favor of it. It feels more narrative. It looks cooler. It sounds like they have good sort of like limits on it. Like how many characters can join only. And I think they said this in one of the articles that you could have multiple autarchs, for example, but only one of them gets to have like their special boons that they can grant. So if you just like want like a, okay. a like a choppy autark to put in a squad just because you do, that's great. But he's not going to have all the leader boons that your actual warlord has. So uh, I'm excited about that. But I, as an Eldari player, I am somewhat concerned. Um, I feel like the rules writers have not always had the best grasp on Eldari characters and in in terms of just like even like what they're like what factions they're allowed to be a part of like uh, or stuff like the Corsairs like all of the Phoenix Lords should be able to be in a Yanari army Prince Uriel should be you know able to be taken in a Yanari army. Um, there was the whole debacle with like the Autark weapon loadout at the beginning of ninth edition. Um, Corsairs not being able to be taken in a Yunari army. It makes zero sense. So I have concerns yeah. about what units they're going to allow the Eldar characters to join, particularly the Autark. Yeah. So that's probably an interesting thing to touch on there as you, as you do. Uh, it's actually army construction because um, we've had Ark of Omens recently, which has really opened up and everybody's really pumped to be able to have more flexibility to, to build the armies that they want. And it sounds like with this, we're getting even more flexibility is that you need to take out was it, um, one character and as I said, some battle line and then uh, go at it maximum three, unless it's battle line, which you can then go up to six, I think they said. Yeah, I, I mean, this is massive improvement, in, in my opinion. I've really, really been wanting to do this for a long time because, I mean, I felt like I had made some really fluffy armies um, in Ninth Edition yeah. that I just, I had the points, you know what I mean? But I just didn't have the Force Org slots. Like, it's really crappy that I can only take three uh you know units of aspect warriors and i can't take any wraith constructs besides maybe like the wraith knight um because i'm leaning into fast attack so i only have three elite slots and that to me is like i mean that's criminal um you should be able to have as many fast attack and aspect warriors as you can cram in for your points 
when it comes to Eldari. So this, I feel like, is huge, especially for more, like, narrative players. Yeah, and uh, the reason why I have an Imperial Army is I was frustrated with my, my Sam Hull Army because I couldn't really run it in the way that I wanted to because I was just running out of... Uh, I was being penalised for taking fast attack, which didn't necessarily feel right, but... Uh, it sounds as if we're going to be in a better place with that sort of thing now. Yeah, and I feel like they sort of struggled to define act like lore accurately. A lot of the sub factions, um, I definitely did not feel like Sam Han was well represented in terms of rules. I felt like you could build a better Sam Han with the custom craft world rules. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you know the prerogative of every player. It's one of you know, all time great 40k pastimes of sort of uh second guessing the rules designers and oh i could have done this better <laughs> blah 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 but um you know it, it just felt like a lot of times like some of the sub factions would just be overloaded with special rules i'm looking at like beal tan and Ulthway and stuff like that like i felt like a lot of the beal tan stuff should have been like sam han like better battle focus you know, uh, Sam Han having like, you know, mastery of the jet bike. I feel like that would have played really well for Sam Han. But, um, and I also felt like the rules writers felt obligated to do something unique for all the sub factions when really they would have just, they would have been better served just replicating the same thing across like, uh, the, the codexes, you know, like, Oh yeah, we can't give advance and charge to, sam han because that's what white scars do you know yeah yeah and actually put the put the effort into giving the the faction rule itself into to making eldari feel like eldari and space marines feel like space marines as opposed to delving too far in and trying to make uh eldari feel like sam han and then if you are if you see sam han in a certain way like i did and it wasn't necessarily how it was seen by the rules writer, then you come into conflict. So kind of, for me, it, it ruined things. So it sounds like they're getting away from that as well. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, Liam Dempsey. He got rid of his Sam Han because he was just like, I'm tired of waiting for them to make this army work for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, is which is really crappy for somebody who's into one of the lore armies, you know, one of the armies that's established in the lore. Um, and that being said, with all of my complaints about Ninth Edition, I feel like they did an amazing job of bringing the main factions to life. Uh, I feel like this is the most lore accurate, just sort of like super factions that we've ever had, except for Space Marines, I would probably say. Um, okay. Yeah, I feel like I'm very trepidatious about uh, Oath of Moment, <laughs> um, where every that's like the space marine i guess like essential army rule where all units uh, you select like an enemy unit and you reroll all hits and wounds against that one unit um but you know i think we were talking about this on the phone the other day space marines are always the first army to come out and they fall off very quickly this feels like a future-proofed army rule that will remain good no matter how crazy things get yeah, and, and hoping coming out of the gate because it has been indexed that uh, that everything is on a relative part. It's not going to be perfect, I'm sure. But uh, the nice thing they've got as well is that this everything's digital, so actually they can 
they can make some, uh, some updates on the fly if need be. So, yeah, I'm sure it might be a bit of the Wild West to start with, but I think within six months of it coming out, we should be in a, a fairly tight situation with it. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited. Everything that they've unveiled, I've really liked. Um, a little, I'm, I'm wondering how Twin Linked is going to work. I wonder what they're going to classify as Twin Linked. Um, but I mean, those are like sort of like small concerns overall. Um, I feel like the game is headed in a great new direction. Uh, everything that they've unveiled is basically everything I've been asking for. Um, you know, either behind the scenes as a playtester or a former playtester, um, and now just as a regular fan, a uh, regular player. So uh, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I'll echo that as well. I'm really excited. Uh, <clears throat> for me, it's the, the accessibility of the game. It looks so much easier to pick up and play and uh, just just have some fun games. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see how the competitive uh, end of scale take it. I'll be intrigued to see how the, the more narrative end take it as well because um, uh, I think this looks initially for more like the middle of the road it's a game for the 80 percenters yeah uh it, that will be intriguing to see because the game is is the biggest it's ever been competitively um and i you know i i love the competitive scene i feel like they bring a lot to the hobby uh, i feel like they're the guys that sort of expose these issues they're the guys that drive change um addition to addition and uh, I, I feel like 10th edition is very indicative of like what they've uncovered. And those guys have been heavily involved in play testing for, for you know, many years. Uh, so yeah. they've, I, they've really held uh, Games Workshop account for the game that they've made, haven't they? So yeah, yeah it'd, be, uh, it'd be really fascinating to see. So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited to, I think that, the thing I'm most excited about is having to dive deep into that Eldari toolbox. Um, I I hate when you the game is in a place where it's just like, oh, I'll just kill them everything with Dire Avengers. Like I don't want to play a game like yeah. that. Um, I want like the Fire Prism to be an important unit. And I want the Scorpion to be important. I want those gigantic guns to have you know to be the the kings of anti tank. Uh, especially you know, even from like a points efficiency standpoint, you know, that gun should be the best at killing tanks. So how about you do? What are you most excited for? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for just being able to play more games. So uh, I think, like I said before, my, my biggest thing for, for night edition was where I am in life at the moment and just, uh, being able to invest the amount of time to piece all the bits together for a, an army list, etc., has been, uh, it's been quite hard work. Um, so actually just having more simplified rules that I can just pick up and play more effectively, but still have a competitive game with it at the end of the day as well, um, it is really what I'm looking forward to. So yeah, seeing my buddies more playing more games. Yeah, more of a skill-based game rather than just a test of memory <laughs> in terms of like how many game yeah. mechanics you can hold in your head. Uh, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's... It, it really was a game of uh, in night dish people who who have that brain that that, uh, that brain where they can see all the dots and connect them, uh, it, which is not something I can do as effectively. And uh, yeah, all, all hats off to those sort of people, but that's uh, that's that's not me right now. <laughs> yeah, 
so definitely exciting times ahead. Uh, can't wait for more Eldar stuff uh, to be unveiled that we can talk about. Um, but you know, until then, I'm just going to keep hobbying and just make sure that I'm you know tenth edition ready. That's the thing I'm you know, I'm really enjoying. I love like you know, love a good long term project. So yeah, me too, man. Me too. And uh, I've got Warhammer Fest in two weeks time. Oh, nice. Um, so. Yeah, so really looking forward to that, and it's the first chance to play uh, the new edition uh, in the open as well. So our next show, uh, which I'm sure we'll put together after that, we'll be able to talk a lot more uh, about what uh, what tenth edition is all about, really. Hell yeah, man! Super stoked. Um, so I guess we're just gonna have fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully the Eldari get a good shake in this um, in this new edition, and just looking forward to playing like a you know, more accessible, funner to play game. Yeah, and I think in the in the meantime, get painting, get get your ready army, uh, get your ready army, get your army ready, and uh, yeah, great times ahead. Hell yeah! All right, well, I think that's all we got for today, guys. Um, hopefully, you're as excited as us. And next time we check in, like Wes said, uh, live from Warhammer Fest, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. or slightly yeah, after the fact. Yeah, come come say hi if you're at Warhammer Fest. I know uh, a friend of a friend actually who listens to the show, uh, Luke. He's going to be there as well. So uh, looking forward to to seeing him and uh, a few other people I haven't seen for, for ages really. So probably since last Warhammer Fest, which was uh, well pre-COVID now, which is uh, wow, probably four years ago. Yeah, crazy times. Yikes! All right, well that's definitely uh, something to look forward to. And uh, all right, guys, just stay tuned, and we'll be back soon. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.